Welcome, welcome, welcome to Blue Topsy. I'm Daniel Blackman. I'm Eric Cohen. And today we have a very special, fun guest that makes me happy. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, hello. We're going to tell you who she is in a second. Eric, why don't you open this up and kind of like walk us through what's going on? What's going on? God, there's so much going on in the news. Like, it is, there's a certain point you just you can't even keep up with it. I got one. Your, your guy, uh, Donald Trump, is in Vietnam right My now. My guy? Your guy. Okay, j- just so everybody can, can uh, there's a visual. We'll put this on our, our page. Eric has a shirt on that if he wears, we will definitely not make it out without <laughs> some lumps and bruises, but yeah. it's all good. Describe it. What, what, what is the shirt? He has, uh, I'm not going to do that, man, because I might run for <laughs> office again. And if I say it on the radio, I'm, I'm recorded. So, so you tell us what your shirt is. Yeah. Okay, so this shirt, uh, Kim Jong-un is in the center. And uh, we got Putin. And Putin's got this necklace. And, and, and if you know Hebrew stuff, that's like God in Hebrew, which I think is really funny. Like, if you look at his necklace, what it actually looks like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was like a championship chain. <laughs> I thought it was a meal, You know, <laughs> craft. But, you know, we don't leave that one And then you got Trump. And Trump's making that Trump face. You know that. that well. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you call that face. Yeah. yeah well, so. let's just kind of um, <laughs> skip on real quick. Trump right now is in Vietnam. Um, apparently, it's, uh, well, we all know it's the second summit that they're having. Trump and North Korea is... Kim Jong-un are meeting in Hanoi, Vietnam for their second summit, hopefully. And, you know, with all seriousness, I do hope that if something comes out of it, we focus more on a less nuclear world. We, we don't want uh, superpowers having the capacity to destroy an entire countries and populations. And, and obviously there's going to be a lot going on. We're going to be paying attention closely to what is said and what is done. But uh, in the midst of all the things going on, in North Korea locally, we've got some things going on in Gwinnett. We've got some mm-hmm. things going on in Forsyth County. And that being said, we have uh, our friend, um, the chairwoman of the Forsyth County Democratic right. Party, Miss Melissa Clink. Mm-hmm. Hello, that's me. Hello, Melissa. Hello. See, I mean, like, it's it's super simple, right? Especially when you're with family. We're going to put Melissa on the hot seat because we want to know what you're up to. We want to know what's going on with you. And for you all that don't know that think Melissa's quiet, we're going to try and shake her up a little bit so that we can have a really fun conversation and you can get to know how much of a rock star we have right here in Forsyth County. That's right. All right. So you guys want me to just kind of start with where I started with the Democratic Party and how I got involved? Actually, wait, I think wait, she, I'm, wait, I'm jumping. I'm jumping. Okay. Ge- wait, we, we have to lead. I'm the, the guest. Conversation. Oh, I know, right? well, I, I right. want to be the leader, though. Okay. She just jumped <laughs> in there. I mean, <laughs> see, she leads the force like them. Right. Can't you yeah. tell? It's just natural. Well, I mean, no, but but on a serious note, you know, I, I think that is a good place because when I moved to Forsyth County, uh, Melissa was someone that, you know, was, was obviously here, but wasn't as outspoken and, you know, kind of blended in very well and has now become this amazing voice and advocate um, for our county party. Uh, she still doesn't like to always get up and give speeches, right. but she is a force to be reckoned with. And, and, and Melissa, do tell us, though, to our listening audience, to folks in Forsyth County and throughout uh, North Georgia, around Georgia and throughout the country that's listening in, let us know um, who who you are and what called you to serve. Okay, so um, I guess I'll just start at the beginning. So um, I basically got my roots in activism and kind of going to meetings at University of North Georgia. Um, shout out to Dr. Young and the Politically Incorrect Club. Here we go. Um, so I started <laughs> from South Carolina. Right? I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. Oh. I was raised by Yankees, so I sound a little different. <laughs> I say y'all a little sassier than most, but I still eat boiled peanuts and all that good stuff. And she speaks quickly. Which yes, I, I talk really fast. So like that was one of the things I was like, gosh, you have to slow down when you talk. Sarah Miko talks pretty fast, too. Yeah. yeah. So and she's a great speaker.
speaker. So, you know, if I can be half as good as her one day, I'll be good. Oh, I'm mad at you. So, yeah. So, um, University of North Georgia, Dr. Young at his politically incorrect meeting, um, I want to say maybe like 2013, 2012, um, I had a free hour between my classes and he had a club. Um, and it was supposed to be bipartisan or nonpartisan, um, but it really kind of had a lot of right um, right wing people in the group. And I seemed to be the only liberal in the group. Uh, and I came out of the meeting one day um, arguing with someone about the Affordable Care Act. And my professor, Dr. Mason, shout out to her, too, especially, um, said that she thought that it would be better if I went to her club meeting. So she had she sponsored a club on campus that was the Students for Progressive Society. And that's how I got involved. And I went to a couple meetings and ended up um, taking the presidency of that club. I was actually the first woman, I think, to hold that position there. And then... Um, I just basically brought um, non-conservative voices to the campus, like on all kinds of things as far as um, uh, legalization of marijuana, medical marijuana. Um, I brought Women's Feminist Center there. We did a social justice day. Uh, See, I'm learning. Yeah, we did a uh, police brutality panel um, when Eric Garner was was murdered Yeah. Um, for I Can't Breathe. So it was a lot of stuff like that. And then um, we had a really big budget in the Students for Progressive Society at the school, and they were able to send me to uh, Netroots Nation in Detroit, where I uh, participated in my first rally and protest, and I kind of just fell in love with all of that process and like making a change. It was a successful rally and protest because we were able to get a moratorium on the water that they were shutting off in Detroit. So I love it. One of the things that they were doing was. they were shaming the poor by not only turning off their water for 20 and $30 bills while they did not um, make the sports teams who were like $20,000 in the hole for their water bills, um, but they also painted a blue stripe on people's houses to let other people know that they had no water. Wow. So um, and as a girl who was you know born and raised, um, you know, I was middle class probably until about eighth grade and my parents um, separated and divorced. And so ever since there, they didn't really financially ever recover. Um, so I, I know what it's like to be poor and white in the South and what that means. And so um, well, the, 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 that one thing that you said, and I want you to finish, but I want to make sure at some point we touch on identity politics, mm-hmm. because I think that when we think poverty and sometimes we have conversations, especially in Georgia and you saying that, you know what it's like to be poor and white a lot of times in our national discourse, unfortunately, Black and brown communities are only talked about in Mm -hmm. the aspect of poverty. So I want you to touch up on that. But something you said um, that, you know, I I want you kind of went really fast over and it was something I wanted to bring up to you. But um, I met Melissa um, just being involved in the Forsyth County Party. Mm -hmm. And 2016 was just a really life-changing year for you and I because Mm -hmm. I ran for office in the county. We worked and we got to know a lot about each other. But it was this one particular meeting. uh, You just talked about um, advocacy and the work that you've done. Mm -hmm. But the meeting that changed my perception of you, whether you know this or not, (laughs) was a meeting when they were talking about uh, what the county was going to do. It was a planning meeting. Uh And someone had bought up affordable housing and they were upset that that uh, $1,100 apartments were being put up and then they, they didn't want affordable homes and they felt like it would mess with the integrity of the county. And I saw you 
initially just tighten up and, and I felt like, wow, like, uh, you know, like, like, where is it about to go? And then all of a sudden I see this part of you just come out and it was the advocate, the activist, the individual that really fights for income inequality, fights against income inequality and fights for the rights of the least, the lost and left behind. Can you tell us a little bit about, as you spoke, where, where, why is advocacy for disenfranchised communities, whether you're poor and white, poor and black, poor and brown, doesn't matter. Why does it matter for you so much to stand up for those kinds of communities? Well, I think politics in general is, you know, is designed to keep us out of the picture. So, and that's why um, I kind of have bucked authority all of my life. So that's part of why um, I don't, I don't want them to win. Um, And I feel like the only way that we can stand up for ourselves is using our voice. And I know that there's a lot of people who aren't um, willing to do that or don't know how to articulate that. And I remember that meeting. So I know what you're talking about. It was, you know, um, it made me super angry because some, some people are so out of touch with um, people real lives and um, I feel like they don't understand and, and until they see it or until they live it or they realize that they know someone like it I, I just told um, Eric and our friend Latricia the other day you know um, I just got a new job and I told them that you know I don't think you guys realized how little money I was making before if I got a letter every year for the last few years um, letting me know that I would have been covered under Medicaid expansion had it been expanded in Georgia wow. um, because I made so much, so little money. So uh, I've lived below the poverty line. I work for nonprofits, um, you know, so I try and take my values into my everyday life and try to make a difference there. And that sometimes means doing nonprofit work that doesn't really pay. But um, at the end of the day, work. it's very fulfilling for me. And yeah. that, that's more important for me because I only have one time here, as far as I know, on earth. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I, I leave a lasting impression. If and, and I have a really big sense of I need things to be fair. And yeah. I know that life's not fair, but I want to fight for things to be fair. So well, that, that, I, that means I have to step up. And I, and I think equity and justice is something that universally we have not uh, placed as much as a priority on. Mm-hmm. So I personally, as a friend, want to thank you. Um, I'm happy we're getting you from behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> and that people that know your name but that, that doesn't know your heart yeah. um, gets to hear you today. So definitely want to just thank you for being here and, and just, you know, I'm looking forward to the rest of our conversation. Well, thank you very much, Daniel. There's, um, I definitely remember, I think that we both got started with the Democratic Party together, actually, kind of in first sight. Yeah. Because um, uh, I accidentally found it. I didn't realize that there was an active party in the, in here, in this county. So um, Shout out to Wilma Turner. Yes, Randy, shout out to Randy Wilma Turner. Ingram. She was the reason I came back to every meeting Sharon um, Gunter all of them so um, they they were just so welcoming when I, once I found them I just didn't know how to find them so um, Bernie is actually who I can thank for um, getting involved out off of campus because um, I went to a Bernie watch party and that was in Hall County and it was That's sponsored right. by the Hall County Democrats and I signed in and put my email down just like you do at any event that you go to politically and all of a sudden I was told that there was a watch party down the street for me in Forsyth <laughs> County and I was like no way so I went and checked <laughs> it out and um, that's when I w- met Wilma and I met Sharon and Randy and uh, Risha so um, it was just great to meet all of those people and to know that they existed and I didn't know that they existed for a lot of reasons um, and a lot of it was because their social media was not up to date so um, and I didn't know that until I knew how to get to the meetings 
and then get involved. So, Fair and enough. one of my favorite um, things with you is before you announced that you were running in 2016. Yeah. Um, so Daniel and I used to um, kind of pass notes at the meetings. Oh my god. Because you can't really talk, you know, <laughs> while someone is talking. So that's kind of rude, right? But um, you know, everybody likes to gossip. So we're we're back and forth writing each other, and all of a sudden he writes down. He goes, "Would you ever run for office?" And this is before he said he was running for office. And I really think he was trying to see if he had competition. Oh my gosh, <laughs> here she goes. But um. But yeah, no, I told him, I was like, no, I like behind the scenes. Like, I'm just accidentally chair. It just kind of happens. I mean, but honestly, the truth is, you know, I've, I've always seen something in you, whether you acknowledge it or not, that, you know, I think servant leadership is so critical in the time that we're in. So, you know, I, I, I can't thank you enough because honestly, without the relationship we had early, I don't know that if it weren't for you and for Wilma and for Randy, uh, that I would have been courageous enough to run in 2016. So and to stick around, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, and that was a wild ride. We learned a lot and we met a lot of people, Yeah. you know, so, um, you know, we got a Democrat on the ballot for the first time, there we go. you know, as far as in getting some numbers on the board so we could see what kind of metrics we needed to look at. Um, you were the first African-American in Forsyth County to run. Fun times, And, man. <laughs> uh, you know, Lord willing, you will not be the last. Uh, so no, we I'm, get I'm excited done. about that. All right. So you're Bernie bro Broette. Was that what we call it? I'm really like, not a Broette, though. I think that um, Bernie Bro is definitely, there are Bernie Bros, and I do know <laughs> them, and they irritate me a lot. Um <laughs> So I'm kind of more flexible. So when I came back, I was also a delegate for the for Bernie in uh, in 2016. And when I came back, I gave a, you know, kind of breakdown um, to my county party of how it went, what my experience was like and things like that. And we kind of knew going into it what it was. I mean, you know, we got shipped um, the packaging of the program beforehand. And it was like, you know, it was all HRC and it was all her life story and uh, we kind of knew what we were going into. We knew about the super delegates, you know. Um, but I think a lot of the people who really had their hopes and dreams in Bernie did not kind of really know exactly about the political process. Right. Um, and this is not something that you can take personally. And this is not something that, you, I, even though I pour my heart into this, I, at the end of the day, if someone says something mean to me online or someone is ugly to me in person because of my views, these are still my views and I think they're better than yours. So there's there's not a time when I'm going to back down from that. So as far as like being a Bernie broette, I'm definitely not that. I was never... Bernie or bust, and I'm not, you know, down in other people for being that way. That's definitely their choice. I just don't think it's helpful um, for what we're trying to accomplish because we're all on the same side. We might be a di on a different piece of the spectrum, but we all need each other to work together. So, and 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 that being said, and and Eric, after Eric asked his question, I want you to circle back around because I want your perspective after Eric uh, <laughs> on. How much have we recovered <laughs> since 2016? Right, okay. not right now, right. right now, right now. I'm not going to forget. Okay, but Eric, well, I know you had something well, too. Well, no, this this all ties in together. Yeah. So what you know, we're going to have like a thousand different people running. We all know that. Mm -hmm. There's already like 20 some people that probably are, like a thousand and yeah. six. So many people. A, you know, they're around. <laughs> whatever. Yes. So you already see all these people aligning. Yeah. And then we already see like some Bernie Bros, which I'll say this. You see, like, Bernie's already raised, like, 10 million bucks. In 10 like, million. Like, yeah. Like four, mi four million in the first 24 hours, yeah. first 48 yeah. hours. So, and then the amount of people is huge. It's tens of thousands, whatever whatever it was. But at the end of the day, there's clearly more support from for him than, than what people assume, Oh, yeah, definitely. You know? But you've got all these other candidates. And, and, and the thing that I know that you'll probably agree with and you can expand on is, 
are we going to have everybody that that goes into their own camp? Because at the end of the day, what we want to do is beat Trump in, in their horrible ideas. But do we end up like fractioning again? You know, fa- yeah. you know di- fa- different factions, <laughs> Hillary's, the Bernie's. Well, whatever. I really hope not, because yeah. that's how we ended up with Trump as our president. Right. Now. So um, I really hope not. I know that everything that I'll be doing will be in, in works to to make sure that doesn't happen, especially mm. in Forsyth County. Um, and Forsyth, I think we have, you know, we have people who were Bernie fans and we have people who were Hillary fans. And it, all it is is mutual respect. Right. So um, and I think people forget that when they're passionate about someone or something or an idea. Idea that they they forget they're talking to another human, right. and I think that that's really important. Um, and I also think, like I said, that there's no reason to go out and yes, you can criticize or you can you can um, ask questions about someone's motivations or their record or what they used to do before they were in Congress or any of those things, and those are valid. But I don't think that attacking them while they're on this on this you know stage together is a good idea because at some point they're still going to be Democrats and they're still going to be working for what we want right. to accomplish. So. Um, that's just not and not something that is is sits well with me. So um, the only thing that it, I will say, one of the hardest things about being chair is that I have to keep my mouth shut yes, about a lot of <laughs> stuff. And if you really know me, it's very difficult. <laughs> so um, like as far as I can endorse um, any candidate who's uh, you know going against another Democrat, you can either you I know, know. know. Um, you can now you're free agent. I sure Daniel. can. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I have no title. Yes, right now. you're good. You're titleless right? for, for the moment. Yeah, so. I had this whole I had this conversation with Tricia. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, I, I can't, no, I have can't. to be quiet now, yes. now that I'm an executive yes. person. I just... It's very difficult. Oh. Yeah, welcome to the executive board, sir. Well, <laughs> and, and you know, Eric it, is now my vice chair, just so everyone knows. <laughs> it, it's, it's really amazing, though, this presidential conversation. I mean, we have former mayor of South Bend. We have Elizabeth Warren. We have Cory Booker. Uh, we have, you know, did, did Castro announce? Did well, he, he informally, informally announced that he's going to announce that he's announcing. And then, we, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, it's crazy, man. But I mean, you know, then we have amazing, we, we have Tulsi Gabbard. We have uh, Christian Gildebrand, Kamala Harris, Amy Kobacher, you know, Bernie Sanders. We've got all these people that are running, that are considering running. You forgot Elizabeth. And, and, no, I said Elizabeth. Oh, Harris. okay. <laughs> so Elizabeth Warren. And if I did forget her, shout out to Elizabeth Warren. Yes. But um, so my next question is, you know, this is going to be a very challenging Democratic primary mm-hmm. because I think that, as I brought up earlier, identity politics plays a, a critical role, right? right? Democrats now um, are faced with a very real challenge of how progressive, how far left are we willing to go? Right. Uh, the conversation over the last two days, Eric, that I've been hearing is candidates surprisingly talking about reparations, yeah. right? So we're yeah. now having conversations that we would not have dared talk about 20 years ago, yeah. whether it's poverty or reparations. We saw, you mentioned Netroots Nation earlier, we saw what 2016 did to both Hillary and Bernie when they were confronted by activists that wanted to address mass incarceration, criminal justice reform, police brutality, police shootings, all these different areas. Mm-hmm. What is your perspective on this current race? And, and no one you can't endorse, but do you think that it's going to be more of a challenge to be able to identify more with strong progressive values? Because like I didn't mention Joe Biden, who we keep hearing right. who was being announced, but when you think about progressive politics now, Joe Biden represents a generation that is more moderate and more, you know, uh, focused on the policy side. Right. And, we're, we're, and he's not someone that we've seen, for example, 
um, have a really strong stance in the Black Lives Matter movement, right? right? But then you look at a Bernie or you look at a Kamala Harris, you look at the marijuana laws that are, that are being passed. What's your perspective right now going into this 2020 primary for Democrats as it relates to identity politics? Well, gosh, there's a lot. There's I know. a lot to unpack <laughs> Come on, there. Go, go. Um, okay, so, um, well, as far as progressive politics, so um, Elizabeth Warren, in my mind, you know, is, you know, from when I started paying attention, is the one who kind of started, you know, she has the Warren Wing Democrats. I've been a Warren Wing Democrat since I've been a Democrat. Yeah. And um, so as far as that goes, um, I also think that Bernie had a lot of these same ideas that we're talking about now. Right. And they came out two years ago and mm-hmm. said they're radical and they'll never uh, succeed. And then all of all of a sudden, it seems like everyone's kind of taking a page from his mm-hmm. platform, but saying that he's not a Democrat. But um, but yeah, there it, I think that there's a lot to unpack on that. But I don't um, no one ever has my vote um, because they're a female. No one ever has my vote because they're they come from a specific race or they right. have a different religion. Um, it's going to be for the issues and whether or not they walk the walk and talk the talk. So, so and that's another thing as far as you know, Kamala Harris. The only thing that I will say that is problematic of what she had, had to say, um, you know, when she was on the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. You listen to Breakfast Club? I'm, excuse me, Charlemagne is from Monk's Corner. <laughs> That's what I'm talking South about. South Carolina. <laughs> the things you find out on Blue Top. <laughs> yes. Melissa Clinton listens to the Breakfast Club. So I'm um, Charlemagne. Um, I had his mixtapes before he was on oh, the Breakfast Club. Okay, so um, <laughs> so I'm legit. But um, but yeah, as far as so her answer to, to that question, I think, you know, maybe she was kind of reaching a little bit too much as far as trying to be relatable. Yeah. Um, you know, dog? yeah, she, yeah. and she might've been, you know, maybe it was grad school. I don't know. You know, nah, you know, yeah. Who, nah, yeah she so. was just trying. Yeah. Oh, so wait, tell the audience what. what oh, this okay. Is. So if you didn't know what it was, um, she um came out and said that she smoked marijuana in college, yeah. and that um, and, and then Charlemagne, of course, wanted to know what music she was listening right. to, and then everybody's go-to if we're talking about marijuana is going to be Snoop Dogg, you know, and then it hit up Tupac and the Biggie and everything else. But she went to school. But those years. are the wrong time mm-hmm. errors. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. so they were able to debunk that pretty quickly. But so, I, I find it heartly heartwarming. When on the one end we're talking about scandals and fractions and potential obstruction of justice on one right. side, right? And on our s- side we're talking yeah. about Snoop Dogg. They're like, and, hey, and Tupac, right? you didn't like, listen to them then, I yeah, mean, exactly. If that is the yeah. if that is the 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 dilemma and the controversy we're going to deal with in 2020, yeah. then, then bring it on. But I do think that you bring up a good point on the identity politics side because you know, thank you for being bold enough in a sense for saying that you know even as a black man I am not going to give my vote to someone solely based on race yeah. right like i mean i do want more diversity in government but we need to allow the women that are running to be presidential candidates and the people of color that are running to be presidential candidates. If we continue to confine it to a specific race or gender or whatever the case may be, I think we do ourselves a disservice and we drown out the voices and the ideas that others want to share. Right. And, and, and I love Stacey Abrams, you know, she should be our governor right now and she's not. Um, but, um, one of the things that was problematic with her when I was talking to white voters was the whole trust black women. Um, and that's just problematic because I'm not going to trust white women either. I don't All want right. you to tell me to trust this lady or this man just because of what color their skin is. Like, I don't think that that's a good basis. I, I think it's a good hashtag and yeah. it looks nice. But when you boil it down, then they're like, well, you know, why should I trust her just because she's a black woman, you know, like, or why should I trust her because she's a white woman? I would never want any, I would never run on the hashtag trust white women. I think that that's. And I think it's important for people like you to say that because 
the one conversation growing up in the South that we, we, we always touch on race and we always speak about the things that uh, that bother us that are sometimes uncomfortable. But I think we need to understand that when we say things and we make certain actions, we tend to disenfranchise a base yes. of our population. Mm-hmm. And look, I, I'm, I'm a black man married to a beautiful black woman. Uh, black women undoubtedly are the biggest and most ardent faithful supporters of the Democratic Party, Mm -hmm. but we should always acknowledge the contributions of all of those who make up our base. And, you know, I think that is something when I brought up identity politics, that's a very real potential issue going into 2020 because we need to understand that we're going to have to find ways to come together and build bridges rather than what the other side wants to do, which is build walls. So let's let's pose this question. Uh All right. So. I feel like that's what's going to kind of screw us over in a lot of ways. Right. We we sit there and we micro-target everything. Everybody's got their own issue. Yeah. A hundred different issues. Yeah. And then we can't accomplish anything. Yeah. So that that's my biggest concern, that we go into 2020 and everybody, you know, is for this group, that group, whatever, and we lose sight of, hey, we can't even put together a realistic plan to build roads. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. So Medicare for all is a is kind of like a litmus test now for our for our candidates. Mm-hmm. And we all know the shortcomings of the healthcare system. By the way, I'll give you a perfect example today. Jennifer went, she had to go get her mammogram. What do we find out? That they're out of network with the new plan that we mm-hmm. have. And now she's going to have to go, you know, like an hour away just to get the mammogram because they're not in network. Right. So we hear people say, like, Medicare for all, you know, just like how how the Trump people, whatever, build a wall. Mm-hmm. But things like Medicare for all aren't so simple. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, they're, they're, they're complex. It, it's it's kind of unaffordable. And then you got somebody out there like a Bloomberg. So Bloomberg might run as a Democrat. Mm-hmm. And Bloomberg says, well, you can't do it. You can't. <coughs> it, it's physically we can't afford to do that. We'd have to do something else. Mm-hmm. And then we have people who are our progressive end say, hey. No, he's a billionaire. He can't say that. He doesn't care. And it seems like when you get that dynamic, it's a recipe right. for like, you know, people trying to prove who, who they are and what right. they stand for. Um, well, I have an interesting perspective on that because for most of my adult life, I haven't had um, access to health insurance. So um, for, through an employer um, or been able to afford it without subsidies. So actually... The year before last was the first year that I qualified for subsidies, even though I qualified the whole time um, to have had Medicaid had it been expanded in Georgia. Um, And as someone who, um, as an adult, have been treated in an ER hallway and had my um, test results read out loud in front of everyone, anyone who was passing by. That's a violation. Yeah, definitely. But I, you know, they knew I had no insurance. They probably also thought that I did not know what HIPAA was. So that's, um, you know, I'm poor. I'm not stupid. You know, like, um, so there, there's, there's a lot that needs to be done with our healthcare system. Eighty dollars for an ibuprofen in the in the emergency room is is robbery, and that should not be allowed. But then you get the people who say, well, that's socialism. You can't tell, you can't put price caps, you know, price caps on medicine. You can't put this and that and the third. But the, all of this spending is out of control, mm-hmm. and um, you can say anything you want about someone going to the ER when they don't have health insurance. But when I'm sick. I don't care that you don't like that I'm sick. I'm going to go figure out how to fix my whatever medical issue I have because I'm an American and I should be able to do that. So there's a, there's a lot of problems with the, the healthcare industry, um, and it's, a lot of it is the health insurance carriers. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also let 
the people profit off of us dying and being right. sick all of the time. So, um, you know, just take the cost of insulin right now. So I'm just happy that I'm not a diabetic, that I have a thyroid issue because they're not messing with the price of my medication. Mm-hmm. But the insulin has not changed at all. And all they have to do is change one little piece of component and say that now it's a new patent and right. that they're allowed to charge for that. And there should be laws and legislation in place that combats that. So we have to figure out that, you know, um, as far as Medicare for all, what we have is not working. A- right. Affordable Care Act was a step in the right direction. Um, if you talk to anyone... Um, about it now, they, you know, one of the biggest things I would argue with con- conservatives, especially who would argue about the Affordable Care Act, is that, well, don't you think it is a good idea to, you know, be able to have your kids still on your insurance until you're 26 and not have pre existing conditions and we don't have lifetime caps? And by the way, when you say pre existing conditions, people, when you look at that original list, a migraine headache was considered yeah. a pre existing mm-hmm. condition. Pregnancy is considered Pregnancy a, a, a pre existing condition. condition. So I have a pre existing condition. So yeah. my Hashimoto's would stop that from happening. Annual so, physicals. Annual, yeah. You get that's covered. You know? If I had had a physical about six years ago I, when I needed it, mm-hmm. I probably would have known sooner that I had Hashimoto's and probably would have been able to reverse some of the damage that's already been done on my body. Let, let me ask you this because you, you are... Uh are being very vulnerable. Uh-huh. And, and I love that about you because for our listening audience, you know, I mean, we've had governors on this show. We've had presidential hopefuls on this show. We've had local good people. We've had Jason Carter. Right. right? And we know what his family's in for this. Y- you bring a very unique perspective because, you know, even with Sarah Miko, and the thing I loved about Sarah was she has a really amazing way of articulating a message from a business owner standpoint and from a, a policy, even though this was her first foray into politics, 1.9 million people in Georgia live at or below the poverty level, right? And you're here talking very boldly about your own personal experiences. What are some things that we can do? And when I say we, I don't just mean Democrats. I mean policymakers in general to be more sensitive to the issues of the communities we want to serve. And just a quick example, next month, Gwinnett County, shout to to uh, to uh, Bianca, that, that'll be on our show in the next couple of days. But um, Marta, you know, transportation is an essential part of lifting people out of poverty, right? right? Uh, we, we all know whether you, you agree or not, but if you look historically, Marta intentionally was stopped at the perimeter because of fear mm-hmm. of, you know, people of color and poor people coming mm-hmm. into the suburbs, yeah. right? So we know all those Because they're all getting on the Marta and they're stealing TVs and, and yeah, getting back, getting on, back the on the Marta, Marta right. right? Yeah. So, so, so that being said, right, what I want to know from you is what are we outside of the obvious, right? Like a lack of empathy and compassion. What aren't we doing to hear it? I just read something in the newspaper the other day that a senator in another state was saying that he wants to basically uh, fund schools based on kids' reading scores, right? So if your that's reading ridiculous. scores, if Absolutely your reading scores ridiculous. are low, we're going to cut the amount of food you can get at your school, and that's just that's anti-American, <laughs> anti-poverty. So what are some simple things? that our listeners, that our legislators, and that anyone that will tune into our show and subscribe, what are some really simple things that we can do to be better at addressing the needs of the folks in this country, the 45 million people that are living at and below 
poverty that just need the support and the help to lift themselves out of poverty? Well, I will say um, I came to Georgia in 2009 mm -hmm. and everything is far from everything in Georgia. There's yep. no real, everybody is 45 minutes away. Even this trip over here was 35 minutes, right? And, and we don't live far no, <laughs> from close. each other. Mm -hmm. So um, I think especially like things like MARTA, um, we forget that poor people live in the country. And poor people, like you can't get to the, the hospital or you can't go to the doctor or get to your job on time without having that transportation set up. Mm -hmm. So um, we should, MARTA should be expanded beyond Gwinnett. And, and it would be a service to everyone living out in, this, in the rural areas. And it's funny because Forsyth is um, supposed to be split um, between uh, rural and urban. But I've always thought it is rural, you know. Everything rolls back at 10. There's no nightlife. Yeah, sure. So to me, this is rural coming from Charleston, South Carolina, you know. Um, but it's not seen as rural to everyone else. But, you know, there's a correlation with you going out into working in – I work in a rural area. Um, so I work in Hall County and things like that. And there's a correlation to you have a dilapidated home, but you have a vote for this Republican sign. Mm -hmm. and, and the sign is taking up the entire – yard of this home that's crumbling so because he wants to get his name out but he doesn't want to actually address anything that will help poor people in that area yeah. um you know so unfortunately um the gop has been really really good about um taking religion and making it using it for people to vote in against their own interests right. so no matter what anyone says about republicans they know how to market yes, <laughs> and oh, they know for sure. they know how to stay on, on message topic and, and yes. on topic yes. and I can guarantee you, while we as Democrats may have 40 or 50 issues in the primary, uh, the Republicans are going to have two or three issues that they're going to hone in on and they're oh, going to yeah. stand on. And, you know, so we, we need to really just focus on our message because I think you're absolutely right. And one of the things that I no noticed on my social media, mm. I'm sorry, Eric, I, I, he, I think he wanted to talk a few times. Sorry. So no, this um, is what we, we want. Guess this is good. OK, best. I talk a lot. So here. Um, cool. So <laughs> social media. So as far as my social media goes, I I think that's very interesting. I think you're very right because what I have noticed on my own social media, which I I keep pretty guarded, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people who don't want to see me do well because I'm a Democrat in this county. Right. So um, you never know who wants to be your friend and all that good stuff. Um, but when I have people that I grew up with or I worked with all throughout my life who happen to be conservative and are bold enough to comment on my statuses, um, they all seem to have the same talking points. And mm -hmm. and it depends yes. on like uh, we were talking about um, AOC the other day, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and I was talking about her and For I had those who might not know Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. So there we go. Ortiz, sorry. Um, yeah, so I, I knew I was gonna. I, I just AOC her all the time now. I don't yeah. even say the She's whole name. <laughs> She's AOC now. Yeah. So anyway, so I was talking about AOC and that I liked a lot of what she had going on. And um, the two conservative males who um, decided to post on my page had these same talking points. They called her dumb, and then they went straight to the new Green Deal, which is actually just a resolution that's saying, hey, we want to actually work on this, and we think that we could move towards this. Um, at least she has a plan. Right. You know what I mean? So that's um, I haven't read the new Green Deal all the way because I'm very busy, but um, I, I will. Um, but it, I think it's just interesting that they all seem the same, the same thing at the same time. And I'm like, you guys have to be watching the same news. You have to be. There's no way that someone um, halfway across the country has the same opinion as this guy unless you're watching the same thing. Consistency. We've talked about this. Like when I go to the gym and it's like all these old guys and they all are in like a Fox News trance and they're, you just see it. It's just like, zzz, yeah. And, and it's just like, and you know when they go home. Okay, so by the way, our, our gym, Daniel and I were talking about, we're, it's by Vickery, okay, which is a development over here. 
and you can look out out and you can see into the windows of houses and during the day i'll see fox news on in all these different houses and then i go and i'm like oh yeah so that guy just left here and he went back to his house and he's got fox news it's this whole mind control vortex and but it's so angry. It's it's, it's angry. angry. Like I don't understand how liberals get the get the view that we're angry. You know, because like conservative news and conservative talk radio is angry. It's all about fear. They are mad. But I mean, but as much as we can criticize it, you know, and and it with, works. All, with all it fairness, works. it works. You know, when you look at the Republican Party, you know, I, I had a conversation with one of the senators here locally, Greg Dolezal, and um, I, I was at the Capitol the day I saw Eric yep. at the Capitol. We were there meeting with our our friend Brenda Lopez mm-hmm. and uh, Greg and I spoke and you know Greg comes over to me and we had a talk and, and we talked about human trafficking and it was a very good conversation we had and on the one side the thing that surprises me it's not the genuine types of uh, uh, character that these individuals have because i mean they're they're parents like us they're fa- they have families like us mm-hmm. it's when we see things that are clearly regardless of if you watch cnn msnbc or fox news but when it's clearly an issue like when we looked at uh the child separations mm-hmm. with the trump administration and the the thing that bothers me is when we see things like that that are clearly not partisan issues why is it that we can't see out the lens of being a parent or being an aunt or an right. uncle or whatever and see that tearing families apart, you know, is is wrong regardless of your political affiliation. Yeah. So to Eric's point, you know, this this idea of a trance is very real because I just read something today that said America's in trouble, not because of Trump, but because we have normalized Trump. Right. And yeah. that is the thing that is the scariest to me. Mm-hmm. Good Republicans that I know that won't stand up when they know that that's wrong. Yeah. Right. This policy, the statement, the, the tweet, whatever it is. You're making us look dumb. Yeah. And, and, and we're and we're and we have normalized it to a point where we're brushing it off, not right. knowing that he's doing decades of damage. With one and two, you know, liner zinger conversations. He's so. like that uncle that you, uh, you know, don't talk about or anything. You know, just leave him alone. You know what I mean? And that's what he's become. We're like, yeah. oh yeah, Trump did something else today. All right, so we're gonna talk about what you do here in the county, because I don't think most people understand what what it entails to run a political party. So as as, as we were saying, Melissa's the chair of the Forsyth County Democratic Party. Give people insight on a daily basis. What does that mean? So um, when I first started, um, probably the first two years was a lot of conflict resolution. So I guess, you know, sorting through um, different personalities and making sure I could put the right people in the right places that they needed to be. Um, And I and I suppose you need to develop a a rapport with everyone. But I kind of just did that naturally. It really wasn't for like it wasn't for an end goal, if that makes sense. Um, So I knew that I wanted to move in a specific direction Mm -hmm. and to lead others to do that. That means you have to get them involved in what you're doing and believe in your cause so that you can all join hands and do that together. One of the things that that I do the most is a lot of communication. So a lot of emails, a lot of um, text messaging, um, and it can be at random times. Um, I will say say (laughs) that if you have a good team, um, this job is a lot easier. So um, if you don't have a good team and you're doing it all on your own, it, yeah, I don't know how anyone could do that. You have to learn to delegate. You have to learn to trust people. 
Um, and you need to make sure that you have volunteers who are willing to, you know, roll up their sleeves and get the work done because I can't do this alone. I didn't do anything that we've done in Forsyth County, any of the moves by myself at all. Um, that was, you know, all thanks to Eric and Steve and Anita and Latricia and Daniel and the names. I, I know I'm forgetting people, Randy, <laughs> Risha, Sharon, everybody. I feel like the shout outs could go on for days. <laughs> right. So, um, but it's, it's a lot of work in progress and, um, I think one of the things I did as chair is that, you know, um, I broke up our bylaws so that it was easier to run meetings and easier to um, maintain business the way that we needed to so that we weren't kind of stagnating. Um, uh, I, you know, took over the social media and I injected a little millennial love into that. And I think that that's done well for us. Um, I think the Republican Party in the county has realized that that has done well for us as well. Now we have you on the social media team. We also have Amy, our Twitter rock star. Um, so... Um, I think it's, you know, it's really just everybody doing their part and trying to, to make a difference in their lives, in the lives of the communities around them. And that's what this is all about. You know, we have people, we have two meetings a month and that's just the meetings. Right. So, and that's not the extra meetings that other people have in other counties or they want us to be a part of or, um, you know, speakers that we have going on. And then election season. I mean, there was times when I couldn't pay my health care insurance premium, but I was driving signs all around the county yeah. to whoever was messaging our page because and, I believed in our cause. And I think um, you here in Forsyth County and Chairman Barrett in Newton County, uh, you know, I, I hope, and I, and I don't say this in a negative way, but Eric and I don't hold our tongues here on, on our show. <laughs> um, many of you know I ran for the chair of the Democratic Party. Right. And I hope that the leadership and the executive team and the state committee members are listening. Because yeah, I think that the challenge we're going to have in the state of Georgia and around the country is when you have counties that have not traditionally gone in the direction of the Democratic Party or the Democratic vote, um, and those voices are not bought into the fold. You just said three or four, four or five things that could be implemented. Right. And, you know, in Newton County, they have a, a, a regional conference that they're going to be hosting with Rockdale and DeKalb. And the things you talked about with your links to Hall County and being here and what you've done to build up the party. You know, we just had a very competitive uh, congressional, seven congressional district run, mm -hmm. run. Shout out to Carolyn Bordeaux. Yes. She came within 400 and some change. 433. 433 She told us the other night. Of, yeah. of, of, <laughs> of a runoff. And so I want to thank you personally because I think that too much good things are going unnoticed. And the way I like to put it is people like you are hitting singles and doubles and getting Democrats on base. And mm -hmm. sometimes we look for the home run. Yeah. Sometimes the state party says, well, hey, Stacy didn't win governor. Lindy didn't win public service commission, you know, or and whoever, you know, we can go from the from the governor's race all the way down. Mm -hmm. But we fail to realize that. But in Forsyth, we flipped a precinct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We fail to see that. Well, Lucy McBath over in the six. Mm -hmm. And so my my neck, my next question for you is, you know, it looks like Georgia is going to be on the map, not just because of Stacey Abrams, but because of Gwinnett and because of Forsyth and the potential of the 7th Congressional District race. What are your thoughts in the next few elections? Well, not even the next few election cycles. What are your thoughts uh, in 2020 mm -hmm. about the competitiveness of this district, seeing that Rob Woodall has already announced he's not going to run? Mm -hmm. I think that we have a very good opportunity to run a strong candidate and not only make the race competitive, but we have a chance to win. What are your thoughts uh, with the work you've done at Forsyth with how we may be able to perform in 2020? Um, 
Well, I, I don't I don't see us going anywhere but up. Yeah. You know, um, I think that every day we get stronger. Every day, you know, mm-hmm. with the work of Eric and Latricia and and Steve and people like Carol and um, Randy working on it and Anita just behind the scenes, we we are all doing something at all, all times the- for the Democratic mm-hmm. Party, and it's because we want to get Democrats elected. That's literally why we're there. So, um, the only thing that I would I definitely want to touch on as far as that goes is. Um, if you are looking to run in an area that you want to represent and you know that you need that area to win as far as the numbers, um, you want to make sure that you connect with everybody in the county who can whose job is to make that happen for you. Because yeah. um, we're just sitting around waiting for all these awesome people to come through and say, hey, I'm going to run for office. Um and the media should just never know that before I do. Or yeah. And it's really not. And I know that sounds like, you know, kiss my ring and come show your respect. But literally, this is what we exist for. Right. We pour all of our everything into making sure that we have an infrastructure set up right. for the people who are ready to run and ready to put their name out there and ready to face that public scrutiny and, and, and all those and, things. So, and you were chair yeah. during this last one where we had a right. crowded primary. And you saw a lot being the chair of a county party and I think we're just, we're going to have just as a competitive of, of a democratic primary uh, what could we do better like for anyone that is considering running whether you know or you don't know that's out there we came in striking distance in Forsyth County mm-hmm. what are some things that these individuals can do to do a better job performance wise on this side of the 7th district well I know we need to definitely focus on the south Forsyth but I also think coming from originally from north Forsyth is we don't need to forget about north Forsyth right. just because the, there's yeah. there's you know blue dots kind of spread out in north Forsyth doesn't mean anything we, that means we need to identify those dots and get them connected to our location and shout out to connect the dots and Laura and Brooke Davis shout out um, to connect the dots definitely <laughs> and that's where that came from um, some <laughs> wonderful ladies who did not know we existed uh, yeah. and um, started an organization all their own and and it, it has just been amazing, and they have now um, kind of folded into our. The county is sort of integrated. Know, yeah, yeah, they're kind of tipping their toes yeah. in there, mm-hmm. and we just love having them here because mm-hmm. um, they bring in a lot of new ideas, and then um, they do a lot of social events and things that are nonpartisan, but we should all be uh, right. behind. So, like, you know, safe gun sense and things like, things like that. Stuff that see, is seen as a left position, but really is kind of a common sense position, and we need to make sure we portray that as a common p- well, sense that's, position. That's like what some people don't understand, like, is the party. Yeah. Like, being a party, there's certain things we can't do. Yeah. Tell people, like, what can't we do that, like, a group like that can do? What can't we really get, you know, attached to, per se? Well, it... it you know, a lot of people are worried, you know, to be, especially to come out and say you're a Democrat in Forsyth mm-hmm. County. You know, um, you might not get invited to supper on Sunday again. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, so you know, people don't want to be ostracized anywhere they are. So um, th- that's one of the things is there's a lot of trepidation with people who grew up here or from here. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they, they didn't grow up here, but they know the climate here and they right. know... Um, someone's going to kind of look at them sideways if they say that they're a Democrat. So, But I think that we need to normalize being a Democrat. Right. I think that, um, you know, it's amazing that we live in America and the country that I love, and we were all lucky enough to be born here, so we're citizens. Right. Um, so that, that affords us the right to be involved in our politics and say something mm-hmm. about it and do something about it. And I shouldn't ever be shamed for that, and I should never feel shameful for being a Democrat. Um, that was one of my biggest things with our visual blue wave that we did in Forsyth County was um, 
ever since I've lived here, I've only ever seen Republican signs. I've only ever seen, it's literally like, that's the only party running and that's mm-hmm. all you ever hear about. And people go in and they just push that R button because they don't know any better. They have mm-hmm. no idea that there's either other choices or that those choices aren't socialists and aren't all these baby killers right. and things that they say about us. I was called a socialist like 10 times. Yeah, you know, it's just <laughs> insane. I, it's, it's crazy the things that well, people will say and, and I just, I don't understand that. Um, kind of mentality. And there's a lot of times, especially in the Democratic Party, when the local county parties, um, we were recently at a Gwinnett County Party meeting yeah. where um, we all were there and they, they talked about whether or not a certain candidate should come out and say that he's a Democrat. Well, that certain candidate's been working with with Democrats right. for 25 years. They're going to know he's a Democrat. Right. And not anywhere in Georgia has anyone ever said, should I tell him I'm a Republican? <laughs> You know, like that is not, never a thought for Republicans. So I think that we should be authentic and be ourselves. And be bold and if, about and it. And be bold right. because if, if you really believe that our plans and our ideas are better than the other side, then you should be able to say that. So say that. Say uh, that and move on. You know what I mean? And, and be unapologetic about it because I can say <laughs> this, you know, from Forsyth County to Raven County to Lumpkin and to Hall and to all these other amazing counties that we've all spent time in throughout North Georgia, you know, if you're if you are uh, in the closet about your party affiliation, mm-hmm. then it, it you know why would I think if I were a voter if, if I were a regular private citizen that just votes and wasn't involved with any party and I saw one party being passive mm-hmm. and the other party being bold, then I don't want somebody like like let's let's look at it from a law a legal standpoint. Yeah. Do you want mm-hmm. a passive attorney defending you? Yeah. Or no. do you want one that's gonna be right. bold about what exactly. they do? And I want a party and I want representation from people that are gonna not be disrespectful but be right. unapologetic yeah. about what they believe mm-hmm. and why they believe what mm-hmm. they believe. So um that's definitely good and, and also one thing that I want and this is kind of to throw back to you and Eric because both of you have this leadership position, but I think it's important and incumbent for us to realize how important it is for us to support the county party structure, right? Mm-hmm. And I know we've touched on it, but Eric, even starting with you, I'm, I'm kind of putting you in the hot seat, right. but wh- wh- why is it that when you look around Georgia, in, our, in a state like ours where you have 159 counties, I think only Texas has more, right. they have 240 counties, right. What needs to happen for us to replicate the good that's happening uh, with the counties that that have built the infrastructure? Like shout out to to uh, Michael Owens in in Cobb. Oh you yeah, know, he's Cobb doing amazing. Has yep. done a phenomenal job. Yeah. But let's just be honest. Everybody's not Cobb, nor does everyone have that infrastructure. Right. How do we begin to rebuild? Like what Melissa touched on some of the good things we're doing, but for both of you, what are some things we need to do going into 2020 to strengthen these counties that are making progress? They're not there yet. We had, They may right. not have elected a Democrat, but they've been building the infrastructure. How do we connect those counties and make them stronger? Well, so I, I think we have to do a whole bunch of things. And I, th- like, Okay, so Melissa talks about how we talk about stuff all the time. Yeah. We literally talk about this stuff all the time. So first of all, the blue wave thing. That was a coming out thing for people in the county, right? So I, I think we have to double, triple, quadruple down on people. Mm-hmm. People in you know, counties like this saying, hey, you know what? You're a Democrat. Awesome. Show up. Show people. It, it's okay. You you you'll survive. So you got to get people engaged. Then we have to connect the dots. We have to connect these counties together. And one of the weak points in Georgia, and and I, I'll we'll go back to your chair run for just a minute because it's important. When the five Georgias plan came out, 
th there were so many fundamental pieces to that. Putting together a state party <laughs> that identifies all the counties in the state and actively has them engaged. We don't do that. Yeah. We don't connect. So we have friends like we have Charles Ravenscraft over in Cherokee. In, in Cherokee. Right. Charles, Charles who ran. He's now the chair yeah. in Cherokee. With Bianca over in Gwinnett. Yes. We have so the two counties that bump right us up up on the side to us, those two counties on some of our side. Yeah. Okay. We have people that we know are engaged. What do we have to do? We've got to link up. One of the things that you see, and I and I I, I say the most off-putting thing about all the political stuff is like turf wars. And so yeah. you'd say like, hey, well, I'm the chair in such and such county, and you guys are this little piddly-ass county, mm -hmm. and eh, we don't really want to do anything with you. I think one of the things that we strategically have to do is we've got to link up. Mm -hmm. And so people from a bigger county that, that or even a smaller county that's ahead of us, mm -hmm. like Democratic-wise... What are the strategies that you guys have deployed? And I think a lot of the chairs have, um, have we've kind of seen a turning point. I know that Bianca, she'll probably talk about this when she talks to you guys, but um, she has been a really driving force in getting all of us connected. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and just by using a Facebook message to yeah. contact, like here, add all the chairs that you know, add right. all the chairs that you know. So um, we, you know, we're able to, I think Ryan was able to organize um, all of that through this. He was, it was something he was already working on. He talked to Bianca about it. She brought him into the fold and told everybody else what he was working on. Mm -hmm. And now we have this Eastern conference that we all want to go to. So um, I think it's amazing. And that's kind of how the organizing works. Mm -hmm. and, and we know that, um, especially as, you know, millennials um, are, are taking the, the chair positions, you know, by like, really quickly so we've got white county we've got no, Forsyth county we've got um Gwinnett yeah, shout county. out to nick man. yeah nick so yeah mm -hmm. so um so i think that that is really really good and uh for us to be able to talk to each other you know um i had and i think that every chair should make it their their prerogative and their position to know the chairs of the right. surrounding county and that's how you make a network yeah. mm -hmm. you know what i mean you start small and you know all the five counties who are around you whoever's right. touching you find out who right. that person is and if not and if they're not where you are lift them up because mm -hmm. guess what if they're stronger we're all stronger that's mm -hmm. how it works so we've got to close out we've got about seven or eight minutes left but here's uh, there are two things that i really want you to touch on um, because I think your perspective is critical. Me and Eric are, are old heads compared to you. You're you're a little younger the young than bus. us. <laughs> but um, so look, two things. One, uh, Eric brought up the the five Georgias plan. One of the biggest and most critical aspects that we felt was important was building out a bench. Yeah. Um. So the first question I have for you is this idea of how do we, you know. You being on the show today, you, you definitely sound like you'd be a great candidate, but I'm not going to put you there. <laughs> but, you know, you, you're talented, right? So mm -hmm. how, how, what do we do to prepare a Melissa Clank to be a campaign manager or to be a state director? Like, how do we build up that bench, identify talents so we're not losing good people? Yeah. And then secondly, we just mentioned White County. Shout out to June, Chris, and, and the folks that have done a great yes. job up there. I'm so proud of Nick Mitchell yes. and what Nick is doing. So the second question I want to have, and, and I'll make sure I stay on top of them so you don't get them mixed up. Yeah. But Because, you this, know, I'll, I'll lose my thought, too. I know, but I'm going to get you. <laughs> so, you know, as you close us out, um, building the bench and then the importance of this intergenerational transition because, you know, Wilma Turner, who I oh, love yeah. and respect, did a phenomenal job in setting something up yeah. that you can walk right For into. Sure. So yeah. could you just kind of share with us the bench and, the, and, and just kind of the transition? 
Okay, so I will. Okay, I'll start uh, with Nick, I guess, or not with Nick, but um, the first part um, of your building the bench. Ben, building the bench. Yeah, thank you. See, I already gotcha, lost it. Gotcha. So, <laughs> um, so as far as building the bench, um, Eric, you had said something about millennials, right? Yeah, and no, that I'm not the normal millennial. That a lot of millennials come out and say, you know. I know everything. I can't learn anything from you. You should start doing it my way. And I think you said I wasn't that type of millennial. I, I did say that. Yeah. So, because um, I it offended me that someone had said that you know you don't you know to someone else it wasn't even to me but it was just about millennials in general and it was kind of just shutting them down. And um, I think you know older people in the party need to realize that millennial does not mean fifteen. We're not fifteen. Well, hey, hey, let me just say this uh-huh. because people are forgetting this. Uh-huh. The kids that are 17 years old right now and 18, they're not millennials. Yeah, they're not. And, and like, now we get this whole thing where everybody's lumped in as a millennial. It's like, right. no, like those kids I in think, college now, yeah. they're not millennials. Yeah, I know? think you hear the word millennial and you automatically think teenager, right. but we're not. We're not teenagers right. anymore. We're in our 30s. <laughs> like, right. we're, you know, we're, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? So um, that's one thing is... is is you kind of need understanding on both both sides of it. Wilma's the reason I came back. Wilma, yeah. I just loved her spunk. I loved her spirit. <laughs> I thought she was my spirit animal when I found out she owned a peacock. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to be this lady when I grow up. She you owns know? a peacock? Yeah, she owns actually two, I think. Come on, peacocks. you never been to Wilma's house? Yes, they have a, yeah, anyways. So I'm sorry, Ryan Wilma, peacock. I'm telling all your secrets. But <laughs> <All right. laughs> Wilma was the reason, you know, that I came, kept coming back. She kept my intention. She kept me engaged. She mm-hmm. was lively. Um, and I love that um, about her. So, and I've learned every, you know, everything about running it. And she, you know, she's the one who took me under her wing as far as Robert's rules. And this is how we do this. And um, you know, I remember the first meeting where I started to say something. And like you said, I was quiet because I was kind of just trying to survey the room and see what what was up. And Risha looked at me and she said, "You need to say whatever's on your mind." Yeah. And ever since then, I have. So, um, and I, and I've kind of just been embracing that as I go. So, um, and hoping that it works out, you know, sometimes I'll say something like, Oh, I didn't mean to say that. No, but, but, but wait, you know what you do? That's really good. But, when people get out of line. Yeah. So like Melissa do the same where it's kind of like, like the teachers in the room and all of a sudden they shape up. Yeah. It works. Well, I only had to do that once, but you know, it works. Uh, it happens more. Oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I feel like, um, we're all friends here, you know, so there, there are people in the party. I'm sure everyone can agree who is involved in party politics or any kind of organization for that matter, that there's a lot of people who don't always get along with each other. Um, and that's fine. You don't have to be friends, but you will respect each other, right. especially if I'm in charge of what's going on. Right. So, um, so I guess the, that was that the teacher voice you were looking for. That, that was the teacher so, voice. So, um, and that, cause I think that we can't do anything without you respecting each other. Um, I, I, I don't think it's helpful. And I think that the biggest thing for me at the end of the day is we accomplish these goals. That's so if right. that means I got to figure mm-hmm. out for a way for Sally to like Sarah, then that's what I'm going to do. So, and we're going to figure that out in mutual respect. We're going to let those lines go. And that goes both ways. Like I said, you know, so it, millennials can't say things that are, you know, disrespectful as mm-hmm. far as someone's age or anything like that. Um, you know, the, you need to meet people where they are and know that, that the older people in our party are the ones exactly who who laid the groundwork right. for me to even have a party to step into. So I'm just thankful that for them and anything that they've had to say. And I think that um, a lot of our older members know that, you know, I'll text them or I'll call them, especially if I have a, an issue that I haven't, you know, come up with before. We need to tap into that. And we the, I don't want anyone forced out of the party. I don't want anyone to feel like they don't have a space. That's not what this is about. And our party is supposed to be the party of inclusion. We have older members mm-hmm. that have more energy, oh my gosh. more spunk, so amazing, twenty-something year olds, yeah. and who, if you call them, they're like, 
Oh, you need toilet paper? I'm there. I mean, yeah. just... Just whatever you need. Yeah, I mean, literally, they'll drop everything, you know, and, and come and help. There's so many events that wouldn't have happened if our if our members who are 50 and up Absolutely. did not exist. Absolutely. We would not have the impact we would have. But we also wouldn't have the impact we would have without, you know, a millennial leading, you know, using different social media strategies. And younger people, I always think that you guys are millennials anyway. Bro, I was going to say, like, I, got, I know you guys aren't millennials. I got good but, social media game, but I'm not Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, right. uh, so, and everybody has, and that's the thing is, and as far as bringing people into the fold, mm-hmm. um, where where it comes from there is letting people know how easy it is to get involved. It is so easy to get involved. Yes, as soon as you get involved, we will really involve you. You know, it's but tough. you will be able to decide how much you want to give and how much you want to, you know, step away. It's just all about communication. That's my biggest thing is if you can't do this, that's fine. Just don't sign up for that job. Right. I'll send somebody else to do that job. We'll figure out somebody else to do that. But if you sign up for this job... You need to do it because I'm gonna be here. They are. Yeah. I, I learned very quickly once I started getting engaged. You're being voluntold to do that. Yes. That's what you tell me. You're like, you get voluntold. I'm like, all right. I mean, That's I just when did, they know your family. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I did you like they did me. Yep. I literally became a, ca- a, ca- a county committee member. I think my first meeting, my mm-hmm. first actual meeting, I became a county mm-hmm. committee member. Member and I had no idea what that meant, but I found out. They said, "We'll we'll help you. It's no problem." And it basically gave me voting rights in the party. So and it it let me have a voice beyond, "Hey, this is my opinion." Right. But it let me say yes or no on certain you know projects that I thought were worthwhile or not worth our time. So that's how you you really you bring people in is you show them how easy it is. And I did volunteer you a lot, and I do a volunteer (laughs) a lot because you get you go okay, so who can take this you know on Saturday the fifteenth? And everyone's kind of just looking at each other. At some point, you got to be like, you're doing it. (laughs) So and and that's in if that's my role in the party, then so be it. So I want to take this opportunity to thank uh, Melissa Clink, and I'm very proud of what she's doing, the Forsyth County Democratic Party. And I want to leave everyone with a quote, and then Eric is going to close us out and let you know how you can continue to follow us and subscribe and just just join our network as we grow throughout 2019. Um, An ad from Apple, Think Different. This is what reminds me of Melissa Clink. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, (laughs) the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs, and the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them about the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. I want to thank Melissa Clink, my friend, my sister, uh, you know, just someone that is phenomenal. And this is not the last time you'll hear from her, nor is it. Uh, in my opinion, we're not going to allow her to finish out her term as president or chair of the Forsyth County Democrats and, and stop there. She's going to remain engaged as long as I'm breathing. We're going to keep her out here. So we love and appreciate you, Melissa. I thank you so much. I second that. Motion approved. Right. See, there you go. See, we're giving them a taste of what it's like. Right. right? And I, I just got to say, this is I'm I'm walking out of this um this whole podcast excited, like super, man. like my you head pumped? is super pumped up. Thank you so much for all the kind words, oh, Daniel and fun. Eric. I appreciate it. And I got through it without cussing. Thanks, Mom. Yeah, oh, we, my God. Look all we You cussed. Well. I'm very glad. I know, and I almost said it, but hey, I was man. we were on a roll, so I didn't want to miss you. It was like. <laughs> I did pretty well though. Look, yeah. we had several shows. We were 
we were very well behaved. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're good for the first three or so. And then yeah, I'm, I'm, somebody I'm, came I'm in. I'm on the fence. Yeah. I'm on the fence. Yeah. All right. So for everybody listening and for all the people that have listened today for your appearance, Melissa, you know what they need to do? What? I'm going to do an advertisement here. Oh, yeah. For go us. Ahead. What do they need to do? Wait, I follow Blue Topsy? There you go. At Blue Topsy. Yeah. On Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe to us. Subscribe to us. Rate us on iTunes. Tell us how much you love us. That helps us in the algorithm. <laughs> yep, that's true. And that's how that works. And you do yeah. have to explain that. I will say yeah. that. So sometimes as a millennial, I found myself explaining how a lot of the technology works to our advantage, to our yeah. older older people. Older people. But... Um, but that only helps you. That makes you stronger. Right. If they, if you have a person in your party who doesn't know how to text and you haven't shown them, that's your fault. That's right. That's yeah, not and, their and fault. And if you're and if you're older out there, God bless you. In the South, we say bless your heart. Yes. Don't send a text the length of an email. Please don't do that. Yes. Because when I get like uh, a don't reply all word text reply. Yeah. Don't don't do reply that. all. Just reply. So if you're out there, blue topsy. Follow us, support us, yes. encourage us. Let us know what you think about Melissa Clink. If you live and in Versailles, come to a meeting, do we, some work. Yes, and we will voluntold tell you. Yes, right away. I'll assign you a job right away. I'm Daniel Blackman. <laughs> I'm Eric Cohen, and yeah. this is Blue Topsy. And Melissa, no, shout out. And I'm no, Melissa I Clink. Think, I think, I think, I think we are word? about to have a third host <laughs> yeah, in a I second because she came, she came out. Not just bold and aggressive <laughs> as a Democrat, but she's she's sitting in the middle and she is is looking like she belongs where she is. She likes so. that mic. She's like, oh. I know, yeah, man. So we gotta get her, we gotta get her back on. Thank yeah. y'all for listening. Yes, thank Stay you. Stay tuned to Blue Topsy.